KYW Original Podcasts. This is KYW In-Depth. My name is Matt Leon. So the economy can be difficult to read these days. We have millions of people out of work and all kinds of uncertainty on one hand. On the other hand, the stock market keeps rolling right along, setting highs and making big gains. So how much of an indicator is a stock market on the broader economy? How can it be doing so well when so many are struggling? What should we pay attention to? We wanted to talk more about all this, so we caught up with friend of the podcast, Scott Diekel. He is an associate professor and chair of the Department of Business and Economics at Ursinus College to talk about all things in the stock market. Really interesting conversation. Check it out. So we are still in the midst of a pandemic. We've got millions unemployed. And on the other hand, the stock market just seems to keep on rolling. It, it's almost like two different worlds. What does that tell us about our economy? It's best if you think of the stock market as representing investors' expectations for the future of corporate profits. And if you take a step back and think about that, you're thinking about the future. You're not thinking about the present. So the value of the market indicators are going to represent what people are thinking about you know, months down the road. And it's also confined to profits of corporations that have issued stock. And that's also not the same as the rest of the economy. Uh, a corporation can still earn profits even when 10 or 15 percent of the population is unemployed. And they can still make money when people have low incomes. I mean, they can lay off all of those unemployed workers <laughs> and cut their costs and continue to sell their products at a price above what it costs to make them. So in this economy, it's a little jarring to see that the stock market is back at record highs. Intuitively, we want to think that the market should reflect where the economy is now. But in fact, investors are trying to get ahead of the game. They, they know that the economy now isn't doing well. But what we see from the market is that a lot of investors think that the economy will be better in six months to a year from now. Some people use the stock market as a leading indicator. Mm-hmm. Is that dangerous because it, of what you said and it doesn't really deal with a lot of facts on the ground? I guess, can you get a false confidence as a policymaker mm-hmm. if you're paying too much attention to what the, the numbers at the bottom of the CNBC screen are, are mm-hmm. telling you and thinking things are much better than they are? Right. I, I think it would be dangerous to use the market as your only indicator. It should be one of several things you're looking at to predict where the future of the economy will be. Uh, Markets are well known to be subject to bubbles. And we see some indications that there may be some stocks and maybe even sectors or even the market of the whole are going through uh, a period of at least overvaluation and and maybe what we would even call a bubble, a period of uh, severe overvaluation. Um, And when we think about things that make us think we might have uh, overvaluation in the department, excuse me, in the market, um, a couple things come to mind. One is, uh, can be summarized as Robin Hood. Now, Robin Hood, you know, we used to think of that as the old time, you know, English hero who robbed from the rich and gave to the poor. But nowadays, Robin Hood is an app for phones that allows you to very easily and with no commission, trade stocks. 
So anyone who's got a smartphone can download the Robinhood app. They can very easily transfer some money from their bank account to Robinhood. And they can, within a period of about 24 to 36 hours, start trading stocks. Uh, and there are no fees for trading those stocks. And Robinhood was growing quickly before COVID set in. But since COVID set in, it's really skyrocketed. Uh, and you, it's easy to come up with explanations for why. You've got millions of people sitting at home. Uh, some people got, or most people got stimulus checks. And if they held onto their jobs, they have some extra money to play with as a result. And uh, also, you can link it to the disappearance of sports gambling for several months. So uh, a lot of people didn't have basketball and uh, baseball games to bet on. And uh, the stock market, uh, while I don't consider it gambling, uh, does make a pretty nice substitute for gambling on sports. And so uh, there's a lot of anecdotal evidence of uh, people getting into Robinhood, getting into trading the stock market with their stimulus checks or whatever extra money they have lying around because they're not going on vacation this year and getting into the market. And there's a set of stocks, particularly in the high tech sector, that seem to be overvalued. And uh, they also correspond to uh, the stocks that happen to be the most popular among Robinhood users. So, so you've got a few elements uh, coming into play here. Uh, with the stock market that makes it a very interesting situation to assess. I mean, like I said to your first question, to some extent, investors see that uh, or predict that the economy is going to improve in the next six months to a year and that corporate profits can stay strong even when people are unemployed. And at the same time, you've got some people jumping into the market, too, who weren't players uh, before March. And that's also driving share prices higher. To that point. Do we know how many quote-unquote average people benefit from the market? How much of it is, I know, IRAs, retirement plans, 401ks, but is the average American benefiting from a great stock mm -hmm. market? I mean, to your point, you said more people mm -hmm. are playing around with that app and all. But overall, is the stock market a case of the, the mm -hmm. top 10% just mm -hmm. building on their wealth more? Yeah, the, the research that's come out recently – uh, indicates that a slight majority of Americans are invested in the stock market. So a slight majority of, or I would say American adults, uh, have some investment in the stock market. The problem is that roughly 90% of the stock market's wealth is concentrated in the hands of about 10% of households, the wealthiest 10%. So to a certain extent, a lot of people are getting a little bit of a boost from this good stock market. But most of the gates are going to the wealthiest 10% of the population. How unusual is that? Or has that been a pretty common refrain uh, mm -hmm. in recent to, to mid-history? The concentration of wealth in, in the hands of the wealthiest has been increasing for the last 30 or 40 years. Um, I mean, it's always been more concentrated, of course, in the hands of the wealthiest. Uh, but uh, the concentration has increased uh, over the last three or four decades. So it's, it's something that, um, you know, a lot of policymakers are, are considering addressing. I, I've read recently that the governor of New Jersey, Phil Murphy, has a proposal to uh, endow any child, I believe, who's born in New Jersey with $1,000 that uh, would be invested in the markets and that uh, would 
you know, remain in a trust until that person turns 18 uh, as a way to uh, get, get some wealth in the hands of a broader segment of the population. It's interesting. So much attention is paid to the Dow Jones. Um, and I didn't realize this until recently, but it's only 30 companies that make up That's the correct. Dow Jones. Is that giving that way too much attention? That seems like an awfully weighted figure with only a handful of companies being part of the picture. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you asked because uh, it allows me to bring up one of my favorite phrases that I use with my students in my finance classes, and that is Dow Schmau. I say Dow Schmau because the Dow Jones Industrial Average that usually is the first thing the stock market report mentions is not very representative of the stock market. It's 30 stocks. Uh, they're of the largest companies with the largest stock market values as determined by uh, some higher ups at the Dow Jones company, which also publishes the wall street journal and uh, economists and a, a lot of folks in the investment field have, rep- have uh, recognized this for a long time. And uh, a better indicator to follow is the S&P 500 index, the Standard & Poor's 500, which is pretty, pretty, which is roughly speaking the 500 uh, stocks with the largest market value in the market. There, there's a few exceptions for stocks that have uh, just recently gotten into the top 500 uh, to make sure they're still going concerns uh, in a few years. But the S&P 500 with that many stocks in it is much more representative of the U.S. market. And so for for folks who are following where the market's going uh, and looking for a better indicator, I strongly recommend the S&P 500 over the Dow Jones Industrial Average. So then I'm curious, why is so much, like you said, first thing you hear, if, you know, if there's a 30-second financial update on the radio or television, Dow Jones was up X amount of points. Is it just one of those things that we've always done? So it just continues to uh, to, to, to lead the way and, and be the, yeah. that first number, that tip of the spear, if you will? Yeah, uh, it's uh, a name that everyone recognizes. Uh, and also the Wall Street Journal is still the leading uh, business publication in the United States. So the Wall Street Journal still constantly pushes the Dow Jones Industrial Average, too. So with those two forces in place, uh, it, it makes it hard for anyone to drop the Dow out of one of their reports. But it really is only reflective of uh, 30 uh, of the largest companies, the blue chips, as they say. If you're looking for a broader indicator, uh, the S&P 500 is a lot better. That said, they, they do tend to move together. Um, you know, I, I'd say 90% of days, if not more, if the uh, S&P 500 is up, the Dow is also up. There was some, I believe recently, some the, the Dow got rid of a few companies or changed a few companies, mm-hmm. a few new ones. Mm-hmm. What is that all about? Yeah. How is that determined and how big a deal is that? It's a sign of the times. Uh, when, when the leaders of Dow Jones make those changes, uh, I think most investors take it as reflecting what's changing in the American corporate landscape and what's changing about the American economy. So the components of the Dow Jones Industrial Average in the 1950s and 60s included a lot of industrial companies, manufacturers, companies like Alcoa, U.S. Steel, that sort of thing. Um, and now 
companies that are in the Dow are tend to be more high tech. You have Microsoft and Apple as components. And uh, in the recent set of changes, uh, they dropped Exxon because the uh, energy industry and the oil and gas companies have lost a lot of their value. And so it's, it's reflective of the things going on in the economy. Um, with, with just 30 stocks to choose from, they, they need to select some stocks that are most representative of the economy if they want to have a good market indicator. And so when they do that, it's often taken as a sign that like, yep, the industry, energy industry has been out for a while in the U.S. or manufacturing really is on the decline. And uh, high tech is where the U.S. economy is really focused these days. I remember when the pandemic started in the U.S., I'm thinking back late March, early April, you would see these incredible swings on the, the numbers. On, and I remember mm-hmm. a few days where they actually stopped trading because the bottom had fallen out so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't seen that for months. So you get the indication, like you said, if they're looking ahead, the the virus doesn't seem to shake the market. The unemployment numbers don't seem to shake mm-hmm. the market. What would shake the market at this point, and mm-hmm. how? What would what would it react to in our current mm-hmm. situation? Uh, that's a great question. Um, you know, financial crises uh, are often what trigger a big uh, drop in the stock market. So, in two thousand eight, as a lot of listeners probably remember, the market crashed, and the uh, event that preceded that was the collapse of a lot of securities built around subprime mortgages. And uh, when those securities had problems, a lot of financial institutions failed. And with their failures, it caused a lot of problems in the economy and the companies that made up the the stock market. So uh, right now, things look fairly unlikely for a financial crisis, but you can't rule it out. So far, interestingly, bankruptcies are actually down this year compared to last year. But eventually, uh, a lot of companies are going to go bankrupt. They're going to stop making their loan payments, and that's going to cause some pain in the banking and financial sector. And so maybe some of that will uh, translate into a market drop. Other things that could trigger a problem would be if there was an escalation in the trade dispute with China. You know, that may cause some investors to run for the exits. Uh, if somehow another killer virus came out and uh, threatened the economy again, or if it seemed like the efforts to contain and control COVID uh, really faltered, that could do it too. But uh, right now, the, the market seems very optimistic about a lot of these things. I, I, w- I would say possibly another thing would be if Congress is unable to come up with some kind of compromise for an aid package going forward and uh, the lack of funding, uh, the lack of relief going to American workers really doesn't come through for a long time. That could start to trigger uh, a lot less uh, purchasing, uh, which translates into a lot less sales and profits for the firms in the stock market. And so if this stalemate lasts long enough, I think it could translate into a sell-off in the market. And to that to that point, because I've read a couple things and I've read them as a novice, but that the markets have already kind of baked in that there's going to be another wave of stimulus. It's just a matter of when and, and how much. So considering that, I mean, uh, to your point, 
if that does, if they finally get to late September and just say, you know what, we can't agree mm-hmm. and we're just going to take our chances and I'll look at all these indicators that are saying everything okay, right. that, could that really prove to be a problem? Yeah, I, I think it could. And, it, you know, markets are interesting. Uh, they often tend to have what we call cascades when they go down. So even if there's not a dramatic change in anyone's purchasing power in September, when we, if and when we realize there's not going to be a compromise on the stimulus, uh, it may cause you know, a certain amount of investors to sell out. And then the downward motion of prices may scare a few other investors and they sell and that continues a downward trend and it could build on itself and uh, turn into a fairly large uh, uh, drop in the market. Uh, another another interesting thing that there's a lot of debate about in the financial circles is the impact of the election. Uh, President Trump, and when Republicans controlled the Congress, uh, did a lot to deregulate uh, businesses and uh, make it, they passed a corporate income tax cut. And those efforts all contributed to increasing corporate profits, which is what underlies uh, fundamentally the increase in stock prices. So there's a lot of debate over what will happen if Joe Biden wins the election. Uh, I think it's reasonable to expect that he would reverse a lot of the deregulation, a lot of the relaxing of environmental rules. And there's also a good chance uh, that corporate income taxes would go up. And all of those things would tend to lower corporate profits in the future. So a lot of people think that, you know, as the election season goes on, if Biden uh, pulls away and builds on his lead, that may uh, tend to drag the market down some more, too, as investors come to expect uh, a reduction in corporate profits from that. That's it for this episode of KYW In-Depth. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on the Radio.com app or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.